Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Right Track Podcast. My name is Valencia Stokes. I'm your host and I'm super excited about this great episode. We have a panel of screenwriters. Ha ha ha. So could you guys kick it off and introduce yourselves? Yeah, my name is Victor Rodriguez. I live in Washington in Seattle and uh, I'm a talent manager and writer and um, really looking forward to this podcast. Hi, I'm Christy Lavallee. I am a screenwriter. I also am a writer on a TV show called Fifth Ward. It's streaming on the Urban Movie Channel. And I um, wrote a fantasy novel called The Fairy Princess. It's on sale on Amazon. I saw it. It looks great. (laughs) Hi, I'm Alfonso Ramirez, and I am from Los Angeles, California. I'm a screenwriter and a playwright, and I also do films and do props for both film and theater. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Um, Well, I wanted to first start off by asking, how did you get into screenwriting? Was it like, did you immediately want to do screenwriting, or were you just like, oh, I want to write books, or did did you fall into it? Uh, Yeah, I'll uh, just start by saying I got into script writing totally by accident. Um, It's a... it's kind of a funny story. I, I started working for a company called New World Entertainment in the late 80s. I'm old. Uh, and uh, I wanted to work for the woman that was the head of music business affairs there. I love music. And, um, and that's what I wanted to do. So I started work for free. And um, the company finally <laughs> approached me, like her boss <laughs> finally approached me and was like, look, you can't be working here without being employed. Uh, so we're going to hire you, but you also have to assist <laughs> script development. So <laughs> that's how I got into script writing. Really? Yeah. Were you like, what, what was your reaction to it? I agreed. I mean, I was, uh, you know, 21 years old and uh, I was ready to conquer the world and I didn't mind working late. So I just had two jobs for a while and it was fine. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, and they're completely they're two completely different things audio right and writing yeah you know i've i've tried to uh actually it's interesting my career has kind of touched on both of those things a lot since then and i really do try to make them into one thing um but uh but yeah they are normally two separate things (laughs) (laughs) i think it's funny how you can just fall into something and it affects the rest of your life whether it's good or bad yours is obviously good but like i just think that's awesome how you just fall into it and you end up loving something (laughs) christy how'd you get into screenwriting well um i guess it it starts way back from when um i first started i first learned how to read the moment i learned how to read i knew i wanted to be a writer oh wow yeah and that was like the first grade so i knew i wanted to be a writer and the more I began to write my own stories, the more I began to see them sort of cinematically. And I knew I wanted them to become movies. And eventually I decided, you know what? I just want to make movies. So that was like, I guess by the eighth grade, I decided, you know, I'm going to go to film school. So mm-hmm. I just decided, you know, by the eighth grade, I was going to film school. And that's how I got into screenwriting. Went to film school and learned how to screenwrite that way. Oh, wow. So that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Alfonso, how'd you get into it? 
Mine was actually, uh, I, I grew up watching movies and, uh, and reading books. Like my mom, when she was younger, she studied to be a, a journalist, never finished a career. So there was always books around the house. And, you know, I grew up in Mexico and in an area that it was not particularly safe. And so I couldn't really, my parents, you know, being overprotective, um, they wouldn't let me go out. So I grew up reading books and, and you know, classic when you're, when you're young, you're little. You start kind of like losing yourself into the different worlds of this, uh, these writers. We are from from Shakespeare into the world of Mob, you know, Moby Dick and all that stuff. And and I remember like going to school, and there will be the circles of people, you know, right before uh, school started, and they will be talking about what they did over the weekend. And I didn't have anything to talk about, and so I started kind of like you know, in a way, I guess you can call it lying, but I started. <laughs> creating these this stories that, of course, like I said, they were, they were false, uh, and just so I could be able to tell something uh, that will, everybody will talk about, oh, yeah, we went to this place on Saturday, on Sunday we did this and that, and they will, they will, we will go in a circle, and then by the time the conversation got to me, I would just have to make something up. And some of them, you know, you know, I would say that inspiration came from some of the books that I grew up watch, uh, reading or some of the movies that I grew up watching, which they were by the time they were movies that people weren't watching because they were old or classic movies. Uh, and, and at some point, someone uh, told me that there was, there was a medium for, uh, for what I was doing. So it's like you, you, your life story is pretty interesting because at the time I was 12 years old. Like, what, how interesting can your story, can your life story be at 12? And he said, you should, you should write. And I, I didn't know exactly how the screenwriting format was so different from any other format, like a novel or a poem or, or playwright. So I started putting things, I started putting the stories, anything that came to my head into paper. And like I said, since I didn't know the format of a screenplay, I started storyboarding everything. And ever since, ever since I was, you know, at that, that point, I knew that I wanted to tell stories that not only you know were translated into movies but could also you know be translated into a stage or a television uh and that's how i got into playwriting and uh and screenwriting uh and you know i moved to la and started working in the film i think it's very interesting what you said about basically lying and that just makes me realize writers probably make the best liars ever like <laughs> they can weave a story out of anything <laughs> actually when i was um when i was a like a toddler uh-huh. that's what that's i used to do that a lot i used to tell lies but they were like little stories and i would tell them to like my mom's friends and they would believe me and they thought oh, i was gosh. telling the truth until they went back to my mom and be like so did this really happen and mom my mom would be like no of course not but they but i was like three or four years old and i would be telling these stories and they they totally believed everything every word i said <laughs> that's a, a powerful ability to hold as a top. <laughs> that's great. That's kind of yeah. a story right there. Yeah. <laughs> when you first got into screenwriting, like you didn't, you probably didn't know, like, this is what screenwriting is. Did you first discover like, okay, I know what an author is. And did it take you a while to figure out, okay, there are people writing movies or did you just immediately know? You know what? I don't, I don't know. I guess I never really, I guess it's sort of just sort of organically 
I've never really thought about that. I guess the moment I decided that I didn't really think about it until I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think about there being screenwriters until I decided I wanted to be one. Yeah, yeah. I I read, I think I was watching, like, I, of course I knew it over time, but when I was 14, I was watching The Social Network and I was just like, I really like this for some reason. And then I just came across Aaron Sorkin's writing and like how good he is. And like, it's an art to like make dialogue snappy and, you know, foreshadowing. And I just fell into that world. And that's what made me interested in screenwriting. Screenwriting is what got me to go to film school as well. Uh, I didn't go there. Like my, my goals changed over time, but screenwriting is definitely how I got to where I am today. So it's, it's just a fun question to ask. <laughs> um, I'm so you guys, you, okay. Alfonso does playwriting and probably other writing. And um, uh, Christy does, she has a book and um, Victor, you, you, you write as well. Yeah. You have a book, right? Yeah, uh, I, I mostly write short stories, short and story. um, I'm in a bunch of anthologies that are out there. I'll uh, I'll talk about my website at the end of the uh, podcast, so everybody can know where to get them. But um, but yeah, I've written two scripts, sold one of them, um, and um, yeah, I try to expose myself to every genre that I could possibly write. What are the differences that you find between that and like the other forms of writing? Oh, well, um, it's really different writing. I mean, writing on a team, um, with, uh, with writing in a, with a script on a team, um, there is a lot of other creative voices that need to be addressed. There's also the, there's the issue where you have to create something and then walk away from it. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, as a writer of fiction, you don't have any of those things. Um, you, you have complete creative control. It's like being the producer, director, writer, and actors in your own TV show in your mind, uh, <laughs> writing it. Right. So, um, but then again, in, um, script writing, you can make a lot more money than you can in fiction. So that's the trade. Yeah. Cause, um, like one of the things that I do, I do write for a TV show. So it is. You have to work in a group um, on the show, and especially when you when you're working on the script, you you work on the outline, and then you go back, you write the show by yourself. But then you have to get notes from the producers, and then mm. work on those notes. So it is like a collaborative effort to work on to work on that. Um, but I I think I guess because of certain ways that I've, I've sort of come, uh, I, I work, like I started in writer's groups with my screenwriting. So mm -hmm. I've gotten used to getting feedback for for even my film scripts. So I got feedback from my film scripts. I've gotten used to getting, hearing other voices. So I like to get that for even my, um, for my manuscripts. So, um, even though those things are things that you do sit down by yourself and you're the one coming up with the idea and you're the one sitting down and you're writing all by yourself when I'm finished, I still need to hear another voice to sort of 
you know, I need a subjective voice to sort of give to help me move on to that next level. With your script and your book manuscript, do you use the same people in your writing groups or do you switch them out? Because they're probably accustomed to, you know, different forms and whatnot. Well, I've sort of, because I was, when I started in the writers groups, I was out in LA and I've moved back to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I haven't uh, found a new writers group yet. So I'm just sort of finding like just single people. Mm-hmm. Like every so often just finding a, a, a writer who's a, a friend who's a writer to um, give me feedback. And it's important to get the people who gives you feedback to be who are writers because just mm-hmm. somebody because like if you try to get feedback from from just a friend or a relative, they're just going to be like, I like it. And that's mm-hmm. not good enough. <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I need to. I was like, I need more than that. I need, you know, some. I need you to analyze it for me. <laughs> Tell me like, you know, about the characters and the plot and things like that. I'll show my mother and my grandmother and I'm like, what do you think? And they're like, oh, it's amazing. I'm like, now, what do you feel? What's going to happen? Is the pacing good? It's good. You you don't got to do anything else. I'm like, this is my first draft. I don't right? <laughs> right. No, we don't stop at first drafts. No. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, there there is uh, like when you're when you're writing a script as part of a, a television team, um, they will they won't hesitate to tell. Like the producers won't hesitate to give you notes, just like Christy said, on exactly what they want addressed. Um, but when you're writing fiction and you have beta readers, uh, I always find it's a really good idea to be specific about what kind of criticism you're looking for. Mm. So if you have if you if you love your obviously you love your manuscript if you're letting somebody read it. But if you have any doubts about, say, the dialogue or the pacing or a character's motivation, then, you know, it's good to be specific about those specific things with your beta readers and say, you know, how did you how did you find this guy's motivation? Did it make sense to you? Did you identify with him or no? You know, uh, and they'll address it. So do you tell them that before you give them the script or after? Sometimes, like uh, sometimes I, I doubt myself, like I write something and I think it's a really cool idea, but I'm not really sure if I were reading it for the first time that I'd be as in love with it. So I call that out. I say, you know, I'd love your general comments to my beta reader, but also, you know, do you really think first person is the best voice for this, um, you know, for this manuscript? Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it's uh, yeah, it's important uh, to, to ask the specific questions because we all know where strengths and weaknesses are. Um, when I, when I, I graduated college, my first uh, writing gig was to write uh, a feature film for producer Cassia Weathersby who, who produced the, the movie You Got Served. And it was the, the movie project that they wanted to, 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 to develop uh, was, was pretty much the life story of a, of a person and and at, at at the beginning, it was like okay, like you know, you sit down, you sit down with the, with this person, you 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 interview him, you 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 go to his home, and you meet his friends and family, the work that he used to do, uh, and and so you put all together, uh, and into the screenplay format. But then, but then you get the, the notes from the producers, and then you know everybody involved creatively, uh, and. 
and it, and it not just it doesn't stop there because then you get the notes from the person who you're writing about and telling you is telling you the things that you 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 should avoid or maybe you you probably shouldn't wear it this way you should probably wear it that way uh and and when we had the the first you know when we sat down and 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 I give the the first draft to the to the uh, to the producer. I did ask them, other than just you know trying to make the the, the movie of a certain budget. I was like, I need to know his character arc. Like, does it work? Like, is the plot does the plot serve the uh, justice to what the character is going through? Because uh, I want to make this person look interesting and you know, to be mm-hmm. uh, to be seen. He's the protagonist. Uh, his particular kind of job is not something that a lot of people will be either familiar with or completely fully interested. So to develop a story around someone's life who whose job is not something that literally just grabs your attention right away, my first you know uh, uh, approach was I I need to know if his character arc works. Uh, not just because if it doesn't, then there's no movie. But did you walk away going? I really, I think I can sympathize with this person. So I think it's really important to, as to be as specific when it comes to having people evaluate your work. Yeah. Right, right. Um, Alfonso, so you do playwriting and you do screenwriting. Yes. Um, what's the, what's, I feel like it would be similar, but also I'm like, it probably isn't. What's like a big difference between the two? The one, I mean, the, the big difference like the rule that I, that I ended up learning is that in screenwriting you get to know the characters through what they do through their actions because it's a visual medium more than a literal medium and in playwriting you get to discover them through what they say through their words that's why you know when you when you open a, a play it's 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 words and words and stage directions and when you look at a script it's it's Sometimes you have those big monologues, but there's, you know, they are split with stage directions. And, and the, the, the difficult thing about playwriting, I would say, is that you're limited by a space, you know, and not just a budget, too. Is that you can't really, you, you have to think of in the terms of do I want to write for a specific theater? Uh, and not just necessarily a theater group, but a space and, uh, and, and how how can this you know people are going to be sitting down for an hour and a half listening to people talk about a specific subject so the dialogue is very important and you have to have that rapid fire dialogue that grasps people you know people's attention because most of the time if you run a two-act play you're going to send into intermission after the first act and you want them to come back you want them to go to you know whether it's buy a glass of wine or go to the bathroom and still think about for those 15 minutes still think about what just happened for the, you know, for the first hour and come back and want to know what happens for the last set, you know, the last hour in screenwriting. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's trickier because you're describing in a way images, moving images that on pages that are really just not moving. You know, you're not, it's, it's almost like trying to describe a photograph mm-hmm. uh, and at the same time, tell the story with, you know, with, with, a plot, flaws, qualities, you know, the whole shebang. So, and I guess they have similarities because they're both, uh, they're both uh, ways to tell the story. You know, both have characters, both have a plot, you know. But when it comes to developing, both disciplines do come with, with 
this huge difference that well, screenwriting it's meant to be seen, a screenplay is meant to be seen, and a playwright's meant to be you know heard. Right. And, and so that that is one of the things that I I sometimes have you know I have so much trouble because if you love theater, you can learn really good dialogue, but then if you transition into screenwriting then your characters are sitting in a diner talking for a long time. And then the producers are telling you, you got to cut that, you know, 20 page scene into a page. Yeah. Mm. That makes a lot of sense because I'm guessing it wouldn't, when you watch a movie, you'll see the person wake up, brush their teeth, make their food and it all establishes character. But if you were to do that in a play, I bet that people would be like, what is this? This sucks. I hate it. Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it hard for um, Christy and Victor? Is it hard for you to um, go between short stories to screenwriting? Because I know when I tried to do screenwriting, I was coming over from writing the books and it was like, you want to, you want to say, you want to describe everything and you want to describe the emotions and whatnot. And I know in the screenplays, you have to be succinct and you cannot say he wondered at the, he wondered what the world was about. Like can, nobody can see that. Nobody can see his thoughts. So was it hard <laughs> for you to adjust to that? Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I'll, uh, I'll just say that there's not too much. I, well, I mean, a short story could be told from a lot of different points of view. Uh, and it could be exactly like a script where there's very little difference between the two and you're always showing and not telling, or you could be inside a character's head the whole time. And that would be something that would be impossible for uh, a script. Um, but, um, but I would say that definitely writing one helps you write the other uh, because you're always coming up with solutions that can help you with the other media. Yeah. So like most of my, basically all of my writing training is in screenwriting. So the whole, you know, not editorializing that's, that was just uh, drilled into me and um, I have it just ingrained in me. So when I switched over and started writing a novel, like I had, I had no classes on writing a novel. I basically had to figure out how to write that on my own. And, and I also had to break out of screenwriting in order to write the novel. Like my first draft was very bare. It yeah. didn't have as much, you know, description. I didn't, you know, because I'm so used to being brief and to the point mm -hmm. and straight to the plot and getting these characters out and getting them to say what they need to do and move, you know, move to the, move to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. I had to learn how to sit in the moment and, and explain where this character was in the moment and how that affected the, the plot and how that affected, you know, everything that was going on around them. So it was sort of backwards for me. I had to sort of get out of screenwriting in order to get back and in, get into novel writing. I'm in that spot right now like actually so I'll write my book but if I'm coming upon like a hard time I'm just like whatever she goes to the store and then she does this and then she does this and I will be like I'll just go back and flesh it out later so it kind of helps me sometimes but it's like something to get used to yeah of course I mean uh, just one more thing I wanted to add I mean um 
like in short stories or or novel formats, um, you have scenes just like you have in a script. Like in, in a script, it'll it'll actually say scene, you know. But um, in a short story, for example, you have a, a scene break. So a typical short story is like two or three scenes, um, maybe one if it's a piece of flash fiction, and um, you know the little uh, asterisks at the end of the at the end of the paragraph tell you it's a new scene, you know possibly a new point of view uh and and then and then you're done whereas in a script it's actually written on the script so it's it's just it's simplified so that anybody that reads it will know exactly what's being seen and heard mm-hmm. yeah um so there is another there's more differences many of them that i'm sure we could actually fill this podcast up with but <laughs> One that I wanted to highlight was what is the process of selling? You, I know when you're writing a book, you have to you write it, you get you an agent or the traditional route, but you get yourself an agent and then they'll show it to publishers and you go from there. What do you do with the screenplay when you're finished? Well, I haven't uh, actually sold a script. Um, I've basically... I've written, uh, I've done writer for hire. So um, a producer has hired me to write uh, film scripts for him. And, um, and that's, that's basically the, the, and I've written on spec for myself. So I haven't actually sold any, I haven't gone through the process of selling anything for myself. And how I got into the, the writer for hire um, process was I actually met the producer because I was um I was a production assistant on another film that he was a producer on and I had kept in touch with uh another pr- a production assistant that I had worked with on the set and he had done some writing with him so when the producer had asked him to do um a script for him he wasn't available so he just recommended me and I wrote the script for him and I've just been working with that producer ever since. Wow. Wow. Good. I'm the same way. I haven't really sold one like per se with, you know, like the traditional way, which is get an agent and then the agent, you know, either reaches out to the producer or the producer puts out a call saying like, we're looking for writers for this. And the agent tells you, you should pitch, you know, your idea on that subject. Uh, My way has been, uh, a bit, a bit more laborious, but uh, uh, I think in a way very beneficial because uh, me working on set as a prop master, I get exposed to uh, to producers all the time because mm-hmm. uh, we have to talk about the budget and we, you know, the, all the the craziness that goes on set and off set. And during our breaks, during our lunch times, uh, that's when I have the the time to sit with them. And I know some of the times they are busy talking about what the next day is going to look like and all that stuff. But when they have those little moments of just let's not talk about the project that we're working on kind of moments, then that's where I come in. And I just having casual conversation, I will just throw in an idea. If it's something that I already have written or something that I could develop, if I'm working in a horror movie and I know I have a horror idea in the back burner and I want someone to just say, hey, I'm interested, let's, let me, let's, let's create something out of it. Just out of casual conversation, I'll just throw in, in a way you can say, I guess you can pitch, I'm pitching the idea saying, oh yeah, you know, by the way, I think that hasn't been done before, but I think a story like this and like that, like that, 
And if that follows to something, whoa, that's pretty interesting. Like, let's follow up later. Then that that's so most of the time, I would say probably nine out of the 10 uh, uh, projects that I have hired uh, to write stories have been that way. And where I'm on set to do a prop or to do something that is not writing related. And I either, because it also w- works with actors because actors want material that they want to be interested in, mm-hmm. right? So when you work with an actress as a prop master, you you also have the connection with the actor because you have to explain, if not sometimes teach them how to use the prop. And sometimes while you're waiting for lighting and camera to set up, you you mention that you're a writer. And if the you know one of the uh, the the go-to answers to that or questions or follow-up statement is, oh, what do you write? Or or do you have anything? Or have you written anything? And then you say something that you feel that writer is going to be attracted to. Uh, of course, this comes with a, a, a bit of research of what who, you know who the right who the actor is and all that stuff. And sometimes they attach they can attach to the project, and and that's one way to get your film funded or your screenplay made if a writer is already attached to it or a director or a producer. So my way, I guess you can call it, has been a little bit of a sneaking into people's uh, minds and trying to like pitch them ideas in a way that I'm not literally sitting in front of a desk with them behind it and pitching an idea with old, you know, uh, uh, drafts and stuff. Um, that's how I've done it. And, uh, and so far it's, it's has worked. I mean, yes, I wish I could have an agent so they can do all the hard work for us <laughs> and they can get the 10% uh, mm-hmm. at the end. But I, it, it, this, is, this is one way that I, that I ended up finding by accident by just literally opening my mouth when we put, when a producer asked me, it's like, oh, do you do anything else other than props? And I say, oh, yeah, I'm a writer. And then that the next question was, oh, well, have you written anything or do you have anything? Because producers want to find the next big project. That's yeah. one of the things that I found out. They want. <laughs> but that's how, that's how I've been doing it for the past six years. And so far it has worked. Like I have, right now I'm working on a project that may or may not end up in Netflix. So oh. yeah, yeah. All right. I'm rubbing shoulders with some big people today. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> How do you sell your script? Oh yeah. Well, uh, my story is really similar to Christie's. Um, I, I I think that we 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 really uh, I, th- well, I mean the three of us really I think went about it the smartest way. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know somebody. In my case, I was, like I said, working at New World Entertainment, and um, one of the things that they were doing over there was they had all these producer groups uh, in separate offices that were developing their own properties uh, that New World had plans to distribute. Um, But uh, I just made friends with two producers, and they had me read some of their scripts for their series proposal, and in my critique of what they gave me, they said, you know, we'd really like you to write one. Um, can you write? And I was like, sure. <laughs> I'm a script writer. <laughs> and I stole, I stole uh, Thelma and Louise, um, the, <laughs> the movie Thelma and Louise, the script by Callie Curry. I stole it and I went home and I didn't sleep the whole weekend and I wrote a 30-minute episode script uh based on the style of film <laughs> <Louise>. <laughs> oh. and they bought it 
Nice. Yeah. So th- I think that that's like knowing a producer who who wants to see your writing. That's definitely the smartest way to go about it because you know you're not writing for no reason. Um, it can be, I imagine, very heartbreaking for somebody doing it the old the old way, which is yeah. you know getting an agent and stuff like that. But you know the good news is um, if you want an agent. Uh, a great thing to do is just to walk into an agency with a deal you've already done and just ask them to paper the deal and then they'll start. Yeah. Whoa, look, I'm taking notes. (laughs) Yeah. They they love that. They love that because then they know, Oh, you know, this person can do it. Like this person's Uh already connected. You know, I'm going to have to do a minimum amount of work and he's going to be on his way up and I'm going to get my 10%. Uh, So yeah, I mean, that's something I think the three of us could actually do. Um, if we really wanted to. I think that's the craziest thing about screenwriters is that it's it's so it's so different because you have to network. They when I went to film school, they were like network, 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 network. I'm very horrible at networking, but it seems like when you want to get into the industry like that, you have to. It's no way around it, either that or you're going to be waiting for an agent to pick you up and they actually will probably not even look at you because you don't really have that much experience. So you really have to put yourself out there, right? Yes. Yeah. And I hate, I hate networking too. I really, really do. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's a really interesting, that's a, that's a really interesting comment. Yeah. I mean, all, all writers I think have to do left brain, right brain stuff to, to help sell their material. But Mm -hmm. Man, script writers, uh, I think, have it the hardest because you have to be inside your head to do the creative work, and then daily you have to interact with the team. Um, so you've got to have both both sides of the brain going. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, one of the things like uh, I, sometimes I catch myself like saying in, in my head is you know when when someone tells you, hey, uh, you want to come to the screening of this film, or you want to go to this to this uh, party or anything, like even if you're tired, you go, okay, well. I'm not going for you know the the, the drinks and and and, and the final stuff. Like you never know who you, you know who you're gonna meet. You never know who's gonna be there. True. Um, and so you're always like you know like you guys were saying like you're constantly like selling um, and selling yourself. I don't think that's the appropriate phrase to use it because it's considered networking. But every time you go after to a, or I mean me personally, you go to a bar because I've, I've been invited to you know by this particular production that I just wrapped and I happen to know someone who was involved in it you never know like I always have to bring out that I'm a writer at some point in the conversation because it's you know you want people to I want people to you know it's just like every writer we want people to know that we write stories that we have this this paper either you know collecting dust so we have the great stories in our heads that we want to show the world in, in any format way possible and yeah sometimes i go i really do not want to go to that cast party but if i stop by stay there shake some hands tell people this and that and then maybe if i come home with five people knowing that i'm a writer yeah. and exchange information then i'm good then i'm set might <laughs> run into steven spielberg's uh, daughter or something like you never yeah. know <laughs> you never know right <laughs> No, I, that, that's, that's, I think he's absolutely right. Yeah. That's, uh, it's always go to the party. Uh, and, um, yeah, you never know who you're going to meet. Uh, it's good to keep an open mind and, um, and listen to what everybody says they're looking for and just talk about stuff. And the worst that could happen is you go there and you talk about movies you like and 
you know, maybe meet a couple friends. So it's all winning. Yeah, oh, definitely. What do you make of the advice that, because I hear this a lot, that you have to move to L.A. to be able to make it as a screenwriter? Well, I... Well, like like I said, I'm I'm here in Chicago, but I did spend seven years in L.A. and I'm mm-hmm. and I'm 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 able to write right now because of the connects connections I made in L.A. So you have to. So basically, I was able to make connections out there, so I can do work remotely from here. But I am trying to get a job out there now. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Uh... I mean, spending some time in LA does help. I think the re- you know one of the big reasons being is that that most of the major studios are here in LA, and even if a project ends up being you know being filmed somewhere else in the world or outside of California, chances are that it originated in LA. So you know that attracts producers, that attracts actors, that attracts all the writers or big talent that. Have the potential of hearing your story and turning it into what you wanna, you know, we wanna put it on the big screen. Uh, kind of like what Christy was saying, like yeah, making having a network here does help, even if people the network that you're making here don't live in LA. But at some point, you know, there's a saying and in, uh, in, uh, that I that I got to hearing, and it's funny, it's like at some point, some people say at some point you're gonna work for Disney because Disney owns everything. So it's like. Oh. I think, Nope. <laughs> that's terrifying i i tipped for disney for like two years oh, oh. Yeah. so it's, i think it's the same way that like at some point you're gonna you're gonna have to stop in la uh whether you want to live here permanently or just for a couple of months i think it does help uh because most people from you know like i said from out, even outside the world they, they come and shoot here or they start their films here um, because we, you know, they have the major studios. Even the that are being shot in Atlanta, they all originated. Like those Marvel movies, they all start here in LA. They crew up. Some of the crew gets here from LA, and then they send out there, and then they finish growing up in Atlanta. So I think it would be wise if someone wants to be a screenwriter to uh, to move to LA for a couple of months, of you know, and, and try it out. I think the advantage now is it's that can help. It's social media. Because yeah. it's so easy to reach out to people, even if you're far away, and and gain a little exposure before you actually make the big move. Whereas before, when I remember when I when I moved here to LA, like I, you know, it was it was email or you know or a mail, and so moving in here and not knowing anybody and in a completely different culture, because you know, like I said, I was born in Mexico, was a lot of tackle. It was a lot of tackle, and and seeing nowadays how you know, deals get made because someone wrote something and put it up, put the first couple of pages up on Twitter or on their Instagram, or they they tag a famous person and the famous person thought that it was a good idea and then how they made a deal. I think that in a way helps a writer, you know, facilitates things for a writer before they actually have to, you know, cold turkey, leave everything behind and, and, and go to LA. But however, the point I think it is wise for uh, for someone to at least spend a little bit of time in LA. As crazy as, as this county is, um, it, it it does help a lot because you're going to meet a lot of people. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with Alfonso and Christy. Uh, you know, I know that there are film industries in, you know, in Vancouver, Canada, and New York, and Chicago, 
San Francisco, but uh, honestly, every screenwriter I've ever known has lived in LA for a good part of their career. That's that's super like daunting for some people, but I do agree with Alfonso that social media is probably like the best thing to happen to all of us because who knows what could happen before mm-hmm. you, you had to be there or write a letter or something. But now I, I, yeah, I've heard a lot of stories about people just saying, yeah, I just tagged Tina Fey and she was like, yeah, let's make it. <laughs> like that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I need it to happen to me, but <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, I mean, it's and honestly, I feel like you know, and not to, not, I don't want to like change the subject into social media. Like, it's 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 no, a no. good it's a good way to to help people who are really interested and serious about having a career in anything that they they're trying to pursue, not just screenwriting, it could be acting or directing, but also, I think that uh, it's it, it's it's a double edged knife, right? Because nowadays. Yeah. Like, for example, in the acting profession, a lot of people's, a lot of roles have been filled with the consideration of how many followers you have because yeah. they see it as a free marketing, right? Like, oh, you post a photo of yourself on, on, on set and your millions or thousands of followers are going to see it. So it's, it's easy marketing for them. And mm-hmm. sometimes those people who have those many, you know, thousands, millions or billions of followers are not necessarily people who I don't want to say that they're talented, but they don't have the respect for their craft as people who are not as popular, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And and that's that that's I feel like that's the only aspect that hurts uh, the the people who actually are uh, are taking their craft seriously and pursuing it as a, a as a career that they want to make a living out of. Like like Peter Parker's Uncle Ben said, he said, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> you, can, you can make your career on Twitter, all the other platforms, or you can break it. Did you, I'm going to, you're off subject. Did you hear about the Natasha Tynes incident last week? No. No, no. Yes. Oh, did somebody say yes? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> um, okay, let me, let me give the, the summary. Okay. Natasha Tynes went on like a a subway thing, a, a metro station bus, and she she saw a worker who worked there, and the lady was eating, and she she was mad about it, and she was oh, like, I, "I did hear about it." Yes, she was <laughs> mad about it, and she tried to confront the lady, and the lady told her to mind her business, and <laughs> so she got upset, and she tweeted the job. And she was like, I thought we weren't supposed to eat on the plane or or on the bus and blah, blah, blah. And she she basically just tried to snitch the lady out, snitch out, snitch the lady out to her job. And people dragged her on Twitter. And now she might I don't know if she did. She might lose her book deal. She lost her book deal. She lost it. Oh, my gosh. She oh. well first first she lost distribution and distribution was like we're talking to her publisher. Yes, yes. And her publisher was like, We've postponed her book her release and it may be postponed indefinitely. So wow, she, I, didn't, I yeah, didn't know that. She lost her book deal, yeah. Gosh, like you be smart. So like you're you're probably gonna find some awesome jobs, but also don't burn bridges and yeah. don't shoot yourself in the foot, because that's not fun. Yeah. You know? So much, so much for no bad publicity. 
Yeah. <laughs> Imagine working no. on a book for months, possibly years, and then that single tweet just ruins it all. Oh. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't feel bad for it because that was kind of shady. That was very yeah. shady. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, that's that's why I think it's always very uh I mean if you if you want to have a career that's gonna put if it's gonna put you in the public eye like yeah like use social media i personally just use social media to promote my work like i don't post photos of of me on set with one because i can't because you have these i signed those nda agreements mm-hmm. uh, you know and, and second was like i do not like i you never know what's gonna happen like you know success can happen overnight or it can happen in in a, in a span of years but like if it does happen I don't want to, you know, someone to go back like years, you know, years ago, be like, oh, well, he said, you know, he posted this weird photo like a long time ago. And then all of a sudden everybody looks at you going, oh, yeah, he's not, you know, they forget that you're a writer, actor or a director. And it's just like, no, he's just he's just not a person that we, we like anymore. And then kind of like what happened to James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he but, got rehired, though. Yes, he got he got two <laughs> jobs out of that. So yeah, I was no, like, got, you know what? The trolls get it back, so yeah. yeah. But if so. you don't have a following like James, maybe don't do that. <laughs> right. That's right. why I'm like literally shaking every time I tweet something. I'm like, okay, double think this, double think this. I'll ask my boyfriend <laughs> and my mom. I'm like, is this, I know this is kind of risky, but <laughs> well, but, uh, <laughs> the riskiest things I tweet are is when I live tweet the TV shows. Oh right. And I criticize the characters. That's about the riskiest things that I tweet. But you don't go on and say, hey, Patricia Light Socket. I'm looking at a light socket. Patricia Light Socket, your work sucks. <laughs> Everything. Why did you do this? And blah, 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 which I saw a lot of people doing. And I'm like, you're burning bridges. Do not. <laughs> especially because you've seen people go back to your Twitter and like just be like oh they said arrow let me go and see oh they said something about the tv show arrow they said it doesn't look good and now your your bridge is burned with the arrow people so (laughs) (laughs) tv show but we touched on this earlier how do you deal with having people other people give their opinion on your work like you're working with them and you like have to change the stuff that they ask for whether it's the producer or just like some people that they brought on or I know some people they'll even be they'll have their script made but they'll replace them with another writer how you how do you deal with stuff like that uh, no, was, that, that is exactly what happened to me actually um, and um, when it comes to script writing I think that when you're paid, you need to be able to let the work go. Um, you know, it's it's okay to be to have an artistic vision, to let it go out into the world. But you know, um, once you're paid, that's the producers basically saying, "Okay, we've got your work, we love it, but now we're going to change it. Like we're we're going to do other things." But that's exactly what happened to me. The script that I sold was given to another writer and the final script looked very little than like what I had originally written. I, I still had a credit on it, but, um, but you know, that's their right. You know, I had the money in my pocket and I just uh, had to walk away and smile and spend it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like um, from the, the script that I wrote, like I, I did a writer for hire script. So it was a, it was a writer for hire. So it didn't even originate for me. He gave me the idea 
I wrote it like years ago and then he came back and he did rewrites on it. So it was so long ago, I can't even remember what I wrote and what he wrote. I, all I know is I remember the the basic um, skeleton of the movie. So, cause like when I went back and I watched the movie, I'm like, I, I don't even remember what's mine and what's his. I couldn't mm-hmm. even remember. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came, when it comes to the TV show and getting the notes now with the, t- with the TV show notes and he's giving me notes, there are times that I do push back on certain notes, but that's only when I feel like it's common sense. Mm-hmm. When I feel like it's a note that they're giving me that fights common sense. Then I speak up. Cause I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And I need like, I need for this to make sense. So we have to have a conversation until it makes sense to me. Um, otherwise, I let it go because like I said, most of the, most of the time it's, it's a writer for hire situation. They give me the notes. I try to make it as, as I write it as best as I can. And I let it go. Choose your hill to die on wisely. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, it's, it's like, like Victor was saying, like it's, it's, you have to learn how to let go sometimes because yeah, like once, you know, if you're lucky enough to be invited to do the rewrites after they buy the rights of your script, then you, you get a chance of, of, of maybe, you know, making the film that you really want to make. But it's most of the time they, you know, they, like you say, they, they liked what you did. They just wanted someone to, to flesh it out, develop the idea, put it on paper. And, uh, and then the next thing you know, you have, you know, they, they give you the money and then they bring in, different, yeah, they bring different writers and then everybody's adding their own input and their own input. And the last thing you want to do is sit and go to the WGA and fight for the credit. But that's just, that's just what happens. That's, that's the life of, of, of this. And, and, and I, I got to know, you know, being on set and, and seeing, uh, being exposed to the, 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 the development of a film from inception to completion, like at the beginning before, Started working as a prop master. It was a little bit uh, annoying to see that that people will ask for so many changes, and and some of them, like you know, like Christy was saying, like they, they just make no sense, you know. And but then I got the exposure of of understanding that this that the change sense were done particularly because you know uh, they 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 were able they wanted to book a particular actor or it was the budget. You know, you have to get rid of one scene in this location. That's they wanted to put the more most of the money on the ending, or maybe they want to add more special effects, or they want to do it in a, in a particular part of the country. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, producers they do see the story, but they see it with money signs. Yeah. And, you know, and we writers, you know, we see it. We see it more profoundly. We see it in a way that I think you're telling a story to another human being. That's what we do. You know, producers they just see okay. Whose face I can attach to this and how much money is it going to bring me? Oh, this person is not available, but if I attach it with this other person. And then once they get the, 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 the idea of like, oh, if I cast this person with this person, it might work. And then they do the chemistry tra- test and they're like, oh, it doesn't work. Now I got to change it. Or should I just write it specifically for this other person? And they bring in more writers and more writers. And at the end of the day, it's almost like Quentin Tarantino when he wrote Natural Born Killers. He's like, that's not my film. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I that and it's happened a lot of times. I think uh, there was a story of, of, uh, of Shane Black getting credit for uh, Last Action Hero, and then 
did you realize he didn't originate the story? He was just a, a writer that got brought in mm -hmm. after several rewrites and he rewrote most of the screenplay. So therefore he got the credit. And then you have a, a line of inferiority writers who's like, I wrote the story. I came up with this and I wrote this part and I wrote this part. And like, that's, that's the, I think that's the, one of the most unfortunate things about the writing aspect is that there's so many people out there with an opinion and a vision and they're hungry to, to work that, you know, and they're talented, you know, mm -hmm. nobody, nobody is, is, is just writing things just because they, 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 they come to their head. Like they, they sit down and sometimes they rewrite your own work and you're like, Oh, well, but like, like David, uh, like, like Victor was saying, letting go, I think it's, it's that's where the talent, what that's like 10% of your talent has to come from is you have to be able to walk away from it. They, it got done. I did it. I may or may not get credit, but I wrote something. Tricky yeah. waters to navigate. Like I'm sure it either with some people, it probably helps to have that many hands in it. Uh, like some, some writers will probably put everybody over budget. Like we have a $30 million budget, but you try to, put us at 60 million because you want it at a particular lake or something <laughs> but um no and i know a few um listeners are probably gagging at the thought of letting go of their baby which i kind of am too i'm like oh my mm. gosh but i it, it's also healthy it sounds like to like you know just be able to cast it off and be like there we go it's done and you have another credit to your name and you get the freedom like is the the more you build up your your reputation, the more freedom you will probably be able to have with your script because you'll have a reputation by then. Oh yeah, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And one of the rules that I've learned uh, from uh, uh, going to a producer seminar was that when you're working for a producer, you want to have at least three other screenplays fully completely ready to sell. Because mm -hmm. that one screenplay that you sell to them, you know, uh, may get changed or not. And once they pay you the money and then you know they might bring some other writers, you have three other ones to be like, and also I have this, you know, because mm -hmm. everybody's not only working on the project that they're working on. They're also thinking about 20 other projects that they have in the back burner that are like, okay, once I'm done with this, I'm going to get started with that. And sometimes... They're double dipping. They're work, you know, they're producing two things, or they're acting in two things. So that one, that that's one way I I found out through friends that it helps. Say this is the one story I don't mind having people rewrite, and it's okay. And I'm gonna get let go of that, and I'm gonna give it away. And here's the other stories that I really want. So once they're working on that one, here's another pitch, and maybe I may have a little more control in this one because they already I already gave them some you know something to work with. Okay, okay, I see. Um, do any of you have any fun stories that you can share while working on a script or selling your script? Well, yeah, I, I think I, uh, yeah, I already mentioned a couple of them. The, <laughs> the one where I accidentally ended up working for development at New World, that's, uh, <laughs> that's one. Uh, and um, yeah, I just wanted to add to the, um, the Thelma and Louise thing um, that... Uh, <laughs> I think that that's a really that was a really good example. I picked that script to steal to sort of model my my script after um, because it it had won. I think it had won an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay the previous year, and I think that's a really good way to learn how to do script writing for the first like writing your first script. 
find mm-hmm. a script of a movie you really liked uh, or a TV show that you really liked and uh, just kind of look and see how they did it and, um, and do that yourself. Um, you know, so that that's still available. You can buy Thelma and Louise from Amazon. Like it's, you can buy it in book form. It's the script and uh, you know, like Django Unchained is going to be available probably uh, this summer. Um, and those are both best original screenplay stories. So, yeah. All right. I any any other fun stories? I I I agree with with uh, uh with, with Victor. I think that's it's like yeah. If you wanna if you wanna be a uh, if you wanna write a book, read novels. If you wanna you know if you wanna if you wanna be a playwright, read plays. If you wanna write in your movies, then you know read screenplay. I think uh, when I was in in uh, in literature class. Uh, I remember uh, that we had to write a story, and and one of the biggest things uh, that, that that I remember the teacher wanted to do was like, well, you always have to type your work, right? You know, everybody's got access to a computer, so you have to type it. And for some reason, I remember I I forgot about I forgot about it, and so that like 15 minutes before class started, I remember saying, well, I, I'm already gonna, you know, either he's not gonna accept my work because it's not typed, you know. Or I'm multi, a lot of points for it. So what I ended up thinking, I was like, well, the only thing that can help me here is if the story is interesting, right? And so I remember writing this story, just I thought of something, brought it down, you know, with pencil, and I turned it in. And then I, in a couple of, you know, a couple of weeks, uh, days go by, and then he gives back the assignments, and, you know, then you see people with long faces because they got Fs, and some people with a little bit of a happy face because they got B plus, and I got mine back, which it was not on the white, you know, printed paper. It was just pages that I ripped off my notebook, and <laughs> and they had an A+. Plus. Oh. And then he said, he said I want to talk to you after class, and I was like, okay. I was surprised. I at the beginning I thought maybe he made a mistake, you know, or or maybe he did that because he didn't want to just give me a double zero and have everybody watch, you know, that I got paper with a double zero on it. And I remember at the end of the class I went up to him and he said, uh, he told me he was the first one who told me he's like you should, he's like are you are you interested in in in, in and writing in the narratives? And I said why? He's like I should not give you an A plus. It's like but the only reason I give you an A plus is because I read it and I thought it was a very, very powerful story. Mm. And then at the same, he's like, but then I thought maybe it's just me being sensitive. So I give it to my wife, right? And say, so we're, you know, my wife read it. And then we sat down over dinner and I thought of my wife, why did you thought of the story that this guy turned in that he deserves to, you know, get an F? And this wife said, it's a very good story. And if you give an F, then you will be failing as a teacher. Uh, and, Whoa. and so, that one of the things he and he encouraged me was like, when someone tells you that there's a particular format, you gotta follow it. It's there for a reason. So it's like if so, next time it's like I, you got lucky this time, but next time, if it's not in that format, don't turn it in. Even if it's the best story that you've ever written or that anybody has, don't turn it in. You know because it's presentation. Right, you, 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 as a writer, if you, when he asked me if I wanted to be an, uh, interesting and do a narrative work, he said, That's how you present yourself. Because most of the time, you won't even make it across the door to meet the agent, to meet the producer. You have to submit manuscripts, right? And the first 10 pages in screenwriting, if you don't get the producer's attentions, that's it, right? You have to hook them by the first 10 pages. So it's like, and if the first page 
the format of it is completely bad, that's it. You know, when they're writing your coverage, that's the first thing they're going to put. Format is wrong, and they're not even going to bother reading the following stage directions. They're just going to close that, that, that script, and they're going to put it in the pile that says rejected. And so it was pretty fun to know that I was like, oh, I'm able to write a story that was powerful enough to move, you know, two human beings. But at the same time, it was one of those moments of uh, of learning experiences when I was like, yes, like, you know, it, it's, you can't just wing things, you know, mm-hmm. not in this business, I realize you can't wing it. Like it's people, people will find out if you know your stuff or if you don't. Right. That's powerful. That's a, that's a story to keep you going. Like even in your, your down moments, just he thought it was that good that he ignored his grading rubric for you. That That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's a less powerful story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I don't even want to tell you anymore. No. Oh. Um, I actually, I, I, like I told you, I study exactly like, the format of screenplays i i didn't i never finished one but i know exactly what i'm talking about most of the time and a guy he showed me his his script and i was like okay let me check it out for you and it he broke every rule like not not Mm. typing thing he typed it but he did he he was telling us like she works at Microsoft. She works at Apple and she is 24 and she doesn't know what's going on. And I'm like, you're not supposed to put all of that into the screenplay. <laughs> and he was like, uh, I was like, but you know, I was like, just, are you going to do your, your second draft? When you do your second draft, you should do this. He was like, I'm not doing a second draft. I was like, mm. uh, <laughs> Sometimes I I need that type of confidence, okay? Because he was so confident. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. He was confident that he, he didn't need a second draft. That's why he, he wasn't was writing it. Confident? No, he. Uh, yeah, that's why he didn't like try to follow the format or whatever. Oh wow! Like I don't know. I think it was because maybe he was trying to like produce it himself. But I was still like, you need to make sure that you're writing it in like a the acceptable format and whatnot but he was like no i'm not doing a second draft i was like okay (laughs) okay but my question for him is even if you're shooting this yourself how are you going to get across that she's 24 and that she works for microsoft how are you (laughs) going to show that gosh (laughs) um she has a microsoft shirt on (laughs) Uh, no okay now I cannot let this episode go by without asking you, what do you think about the state of movies and TV shows today? Because I hear a lot of people talking crap about movies like, oh, there's way too many sequels. Hollywood is unoriginal and blah, blah, blah. TV seems to be having a, well, not seems to be. They are having a grand old time, especially on Netflix. What do you think about everything today? Yeah, I, I think we're in a golden age of television for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there are, especially in the horror genre, I think that there are lots of uh, really nice film projects going on right now. Um, you know, after Get Out really succeeded, I think a lot of people believed in the independent horror vision, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are now rushing to get their their visions out there. And so we're getting some really high quality horror films and it always 
you know, the film industry and the TV industry always work that way, like within trends. But these are obviously projects that have been in development for years. It's just that when it, the time is right, then producers start getting really interested and money starts getting behind it. Then the films are made. Um, but uh, man, television, I, I just, I'll get specific. I mean, you know, Billions on Showtime is incredibly written. Um, you know, Bob's Burgers on Fox is hilarious. Love it. A Flash on CW. I mean, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Chernobyl on HBO. These are all great shows. And uh, yeah, Love, Death, and Robots on, uh, on Netflix. They're, they're all incredible. I never had anything like that on TV when I was growing up. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it's funny how... Um, you know, we talk about movies and you say like there's all these sequels and things going on. But I mean, if you really look at TV, a lot of the TV properties are based off of books or other properties. Mm-hmm. So it's really not about it's not about, you know, where these ideas are originating. It's about how they're executed. Um, so, you know, it doesn't matter where this idea is coming from. It's about how well they're doing it. And they just seem to be doing it much better on TV right now. Um, they can like, you know, I you know I got I got caught up in the the opening weekend of Endgame, so they they're they can do big spectacle really well, and that's actually you know my genre. I I do sci-fi, fantasy, action. That's the that's the type of things that I do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to love that. And those are the, the types of things that I have to go out and I have to see at the theater, in the theater. Um, and I feel like that is it's a great time for, for those type of movies right now. So I'm really excited for those, those kinds of movies right now. But it feels like um, other types of movies. I feel like, like I, I've been hearing we're not getting they're sort of falling off with sort of mid-grade movies, like middle um, budget movies. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to get, you're not getting that many movies in like the 30, 40 million dollar budget range anymore. So it's either yeah. you're either getting like ultra low budget films or these, you know, $200 million budget films. So you're not getting anything in between. So it's like that's sort of falling off. Yeah, I think I think, and I agree. I agree with everything you said. Like, I, I do believe that television right now is, it's 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 at its prime, or if not better than it's been. And you know, and and that comes with with having more platforms for content. You know, like having you know Google, uh, Hulu, and uh, and Netflix that allows you to watch things without the interruption of commercials. You know, and and it seems like everybody nowadays wants to create their own platform and you know hbo has their own platform as well as their own you know tv channel uh warner brothers is uh, is developing their own uh, uh app too so you can you know sort of like netflix that's why they're pulling the you know the warner brothers uh product netflix and then disney's coming with disney plus universal's trying to do something similar so i feel like nowadays like netflix started something that is it's it's changing the way we see things now and it allows room, it creates room for a lot of content. You know, like Netflix has so much stuff. Like I, I can't tell you how many openings for Netflix shows ha- like happen every every year. And and however, like you know, like like Christy was saying, 
and there's certain like that the mid-range movies are disappearing has also to do with the fact that we have this platform and uh being a prop master that falls under tiers you know we have the tier one tier zero movies tier one movies tier two and tier three and so forth and when you land in a tier zero movie they pay you really really minimal minimum wage uh because the budget is super super low but it will be on f as it's produced by netflix right mm-hmm. however it just means that they're concentrating the money on their principal shows like you know one of them being stranger things and that's such a huge success like they decide we are going to make a lot of we're not, we are going to produce a lot of shows however we're going to put our attention on, on one particular show because that's our hit um however i think that uh it's great because it it does create like say it creates room for more content it allows us it allows screenwriters to actually have a little bit more of a bigger chance to to have the voices being heard because now you know, Apple is creating one, Facebook is creating one. Now we have YouTube original series too, which you know, for for I think for a, a couple of bucks, you can watch movies on YouTube and TV series mm-hmm. on YouTube, and it's all because it's accessible, right? You know, Netflix on our phones, so that's a good thing. However, in film, it, I feel like it's a little harder now because they they kind of sort of found the formula of what really works and what really gives us the billion you know billion dollar movie. Mm-hmm. Which I remember when, when you know, growing up, like when a movie was close to reaching the billions of dollars, everybody was like celebrating it. We're like, oh my god, this is amazing, right? Yeah. And that, like every now, like every other movie, just passes that barrier. Just, yeah. just, just the milestone just gets crossed. Just like, like it's just considering millions. Um, <laughs> I swear, Marvel is like another one reached a billion mark. Woo! <laughs> they have everything. <laughs> Yeah. However, like, like you know, like, like Victor was saying, like these projects have, uh, you know, have been in development for like so, you know, so many years. Like this whole, you know, and now that we're touching on Marvel, like this whole Marvel universe, cinematic universe, was thought out through, you know, the nineties, early in the nineties, they were thinking of having something that connects with something, and having this movie connect with this other movie. And of course, at the end, it was just a very risky thing to do because what if we spend so much money on something that is not going to work, right? Because that's yeah. you know, that's a risk that comes with making a movie. You know, you're like, oh, I'm going to pay an actor this much money, but what if it flops? Well, you know, you never know because the big question in Hollywood is what does the audience want? And we're never going to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do agree that there are certain independent movies, especially in the horror genre, like, like Victor was saying, that with Get Out being so, you know, a well-written movie and getting the praise and winning the Best Original Screenplay Award, now th- it's kind of like giving them a little push, saying, you know what, you don't need to be in the eight-list category on the billions and billions of dollars to really horror or a nice horror movie. You could do an independent one. I worked, I was a prop master on a, uh, the movie Cam, which is on Netflix, and it was very independent. We had little to no budget. Uh, everybody worked really hard, and we believe in the movie. We found distribution. Bloomhouse ended up buying it. Uh, Netflix bought it, and they put it on Netflix, uh, you know, put it on the platform. And it got to the point where Stephen King saw it and tweeted about it and saying, I really enjoy this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the little things like that that I feel that are helping the independent uh, filmmaking community, it's knowing that, you know, you have a platform, you have, people will watch it, right? I mean, maybe or maybe not, but you have a space now. Like the, the, the big silver screen, it's, it's not the only way to go anymore. 
you know, and, and now that we have access to watch, you know, content on our phones or iPads or whatever it is that you, you know, people have in their pockets nowadays, you know, we, it's, it makes it a little more accessible. Yeah. Yeah, I agree to, to Alfonso's point. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's marketing people will tell you, look at the market opportunity for what you're writing. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, everything has advantages and disadvantages. You know, for um, for Cam, which I liked, um, you know, that's, yeah, that uh, I mean, that is a really intelligent, original idea to make for a low-budget concept. Um, I mean, it, it works. Then again, you spend a lot more money making an Avengers movie, but it can play all over the world. Um, you know, it has a huge franchise behind it, tons and millions and millions of fans that will see it, you know, on opening day. So you have a lot of stuff built into that too. So just, uh, it's always good that when you, when you start on a project, um, you know, that you hope to sell, um, just realize what you're writing it for. Like, are you writing mm-hmm. it for Netflix? Are you writing it for Marvel studios? You know, you're writing it for Disney. Yeah, or both in <laughs> these days. Yes, because <laughs> yes, Disney owns everything. Yes. I'm like, Disney is big brother. Like, I, I can't even be sure I haven't worked for them before. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've touched on this also, but I want to know if you have like a single piece of advice that you have for people who want to get into screenwriting. Um, I don't know. I guess my... My best advice is just to to write, to you know, write as much as you can, as often as you, you have to. The more hours you put into it, the better you'll get. I agree 100% with Christy. Um, yeah, I, I think you have to enjoy the process. I mean, the best the best case scenario is that you are going to be writing tons and tons of scripts <laughs> for in the prime of your life. <laughs> so you had better enjoy the process. Um, so I would say my best advice for starting out is, is just, just write a script. Um, and if you can't find it in yourself to write a script for uh, on spec, you know, just uh, because you think it would be cool to see that episode of that TV show made, um, then you probably shouldn't be writing scripts because there's a lot of late nights, a lot of hard work, a lot of compromises, and um, hopefully a lot of success too. But um, you know, a lot of people uh, toil for for years before they start seeing the the um, the payback on that. So I, I would say you have to enjoy it. And what better way to know if you're going to enjoy it than just do it for yourself when you first start out and see how it goes? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, with everything that's been said. Like I I think that. Yeah, you have to you have to fall in love with 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 what you do. Not you know, it could be screenwriting, it could be anything, but you have to fall in love. I think liking it is not enough because yeah, like it's you may not see any fruits, you know, mm-hmm. any money, and and uh, you may end up writing scripts and scripts and scripts and scripts. You know, you may end up rewriting script that bunch of times, you know, and then to the point where like maybe this is not a good thing, it's not, not a good idea. Uh, but if I, if there's something I I guess I guess I will say uh, as an advice uh, that when uh, when I was going in school there was one phrase that I didn't quite understood or agree with was when someone told me that writers write about what they know and it's 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 understandable like you know if you know something you're knowledgeable of it you write about it but what if you know but in a way I feel like it's, it encapsulates your mind into thinking that if you don't know about something don't write about it. 
And to me, is that the reason why we know, you know, the rules exist is not to break them. It's, you know, you don't know the rules so you can know how to break them. You know the rules so you know how to bend them according to what the story, you know, needs. So I think it's, don't, just because you don't know something doesn't mean that you, you shouldn't write about it. You know, uh, writers are almost... 90% researchers, right? We feel like we're journalists. If you don't, if you want to write about, you know, World War II, you want, you think that there's a story in there that you want to, uh, uh, you know, put, you, you write about, you know, not just watch movies about, you know, that take place during World War II or documentaries, you know, go to the extent of even interviewing people who, who lived through that time period, you know, either behind the trenches or, you know, or under a roof, you know, read newspapers from that time period like really it's it's the commitment and i think uh, that's that piggyback to what uh, victor was saying that you have to enjoy the process because this is what's going to keep you up every night and going to the library every morning or going to that interview you know or 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 going to that one place you know or, or going to washington or whatever it is that you are getting or gathering information you have to enjoy it and yeah it sucks that when you spend so much time out of your life to put this together and then it gets rejected, right? But if there's anything that we do know is that nobody makes it the first time. Everybody gets rejected. And, you know, for every 10 no's, there's going to be a yes. But you have to, you have to expose yourself. Because, you know, like in acting, it's not just about emotions. It's about truth. If you're true to the moment, man, people are going to cry for you. People are going to cheer for you when you're a screener on stage. And the same thing goes for writing. If you're not truthful to the words you're putting on paper, meaning that you want to, you know, you, you, nobody knows the lingo or the military lingo or set lingo, right? You can't just, you know, lie your way into it. You know, there are people, you know, who are going to read your material and be like, I don't feel this character because I don't feel this character's truth to himself. You know, and at the end, it's, it's going to all trickle back to wrote this piece. So I think uh, don't fall into the idea that just because you, you know, you, you, you know how to drive, you can drive, a, you know, you can write a movie like Fast and the Furious, you know, or just because you're a writer, you know, attempting to, to, to become one doesn't mean that you can, you know, write Midnight in Paris. You know, there's a reason why these movies that we adore, you know, are, you know, have that impact on us. And it all starts with what the writers have to go through to bring these characters, you know, on paper, to put them on paper, to put this amazing story on paper. So I think, yeah, like expose yourself. You know, the more you live life, you know, don't don't just Google things for the sake of Googling it. Like travel to Paris if you have to, if you want to write about Paris. You know, get there and expose it. You know, get get a little bit of exposure. All right, there yeah. we have it. Okay, so we talked about screenwriting this entire time, but I want to know what other passions do you have? Like telling stories or, you know, knitting. What do you like? Yeah, well... I really love the way music tells a story. Um, you know, I got involved in the entertainment business to help musicians and composers get on screen. Um, and man, I really, I really believe in that. Um, you know, I cleared, I cleared the songs for a video game called Grand Theft Auto Vice City. And oh, nice. um, yeah, that, that, I mean, the music just makes, it's a gr- I mean, it's a great game, but uh, I mean, the music just made all the difference in, in yes. sort of distancing it from GTA 3, which is the title that came before. And that's storytelling. You know, it's saying you're in the 80s. That's like the most basic version of that. 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, I love, I love the way music enhances the emotion of, of a story. I think the way, the way songwriters work and the way script writers work uh, are very similar. You know, mm-hmm. they have a beginning, middle and end, you know, they state a theme, um, they evoke emotion in, in the writing and, um, you know, they add to the experience, the emotional experience of watching what you're watching. So, um, Victor, are you telling me you had a hand in my childhood? Because (laughs) I remember this, I should not have been playing the game, but I like to drive around in the car on Grand Theft Auto and listen to the music. I would like, I I wasn't running anyone over. I was just sitting in the car, (laughs) driving around, listening to the music, obeying the traffic signs. (laughs) Yeah. That's yeah, such that's, a that's, nerd, but. No, that's great. Yeah, no, I played it too. <laughs> I played it too when it came out. Um, but yeah, I, um, you know, there's a funny, funny little story about that. I, one of the bands that I approached to clear for that game was uh, the Clash. You know, I, I talked to ah. Joe Strummer. Uh, oh. Yeah, before before he died, and um, yeah, we wanted to clear. Uh, I fought the law and. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been great, right? Um, but um, but Joe was just like, uh, <laughs> this isn't this isn't like the, the kind of game where you get points for killing grannies, is it? You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it kind of is. You know, I mean, you can't do that. And he's like, uh, no, we're not really interested in that. <laughs> but you don't get points. Uh, you get stars of police officers. <laughs> yeah, no, he he just uh, he really embraced anti-violence in uh, uh, okay. in that decade. So he, he he was yeah. I know. I tried. <laughs> But at least the irony will live on about what could have been. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Christy, do you have any other passions? Yes. Well, you know, um, I'm, I went to film school and other than writing, I uh, studied directing. So I'm also a writer, director of like sci-fi, fantasy, action. Um, I'm into short films now. And I just finished a sci-fi short film that I'm putting in other film festivals um, and things like that. So I'm trying to expand into features and maybe get into directing TV as well. That sounds great. And, you know, just to, to further uh, what Christy was saying, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I love that idea, um, but, you, you know, a great way to, to get the best notes on your writing is to also be the director <laughs> and the producer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Christy was like, she was probably like, I'm not going to be collaborating with people anymore. They're not going to be telling me about my writing because I will be the one in charge. <laughs> even though even though I'm a director, I still get notes on my scripts. I don't <laughs> neglect to get notes. I will mm-hmm. go out and I'll get, you know, my friends who are also writers and sometimes, you know, other actors to get give me notes on my scripts before I shoot them. And, but the, um, the downside to getting actors to give you notes on your script is that they'll, they'll come back, they'll give you notes, they'll tell you, you know, um, you know, what they think about it. And then they'll tell you, okay, and I want this part. Oh yeah, I can see like an actor, it's like, Tina, you cannot play a 
a mobster right now. You are supposed to be a school teacher. Why do you want to play this part? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Alfonso? Uh, I enjoy uh, directing uh, and acting for the stage. Uh, so that's my other passion. Uh, and I think, um, I, I mean, I, I love film. But there's something about theater that is always, uh, you know, uh, the, the, it always holds a special place in my heart. And it's I think it's the life connection that you get, you know, with the audience and the actors uh, and directing it or acting, whether I'm on stage or not. Uh, it's just the end. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the live energy that you get. That it's, it's the ping pong effect, you know, what the actors are giving you on stage and you are you sending back, you know, you get you send back. Uh, and one of the reasons why I enjoy acting is that it allows you to see the world through different eyes every time you are in a project. You know, is that you, you, the whole point is you don't want to play yourself. And even if you do or just playing yourself, uh, the, the story that you are, you know, uh, the journey that you're taking is it's not your own. You know, uh, it's 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 someone thought about it and, and they put it in, in 120 pages and it's for you to see. And you, you may disagree. Or you may agree with certain things that your character does, but uh, what, like, like I said, the, the the reason why I enjoy it is because it forces me to clear my my head and separate my own ways of seeing the world and get interpretation of uh, of how things are or how things could be to somebody else's eyes. And in a way, uh, I feel like it's just it makes you a bit of an open minded person because. You know, you, you give so much of yourself uh, when you're acting because you're throwing, you know, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable um, uh, scenarios. You know, if you have to cry, if you have to, you know, you, have, you get an argument with someone or whatever it is that the scene calls for. Uh, it kind of it breaks the barriers. It makes you a bit more humane because, you know, uh, we're not as very uh, uh, well as expressing you know, ourselves, our feelings, our emotions or in public. But when you, you know, when someone puts you in the spotlight and they're paying you to do it, you kind of you 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 love doing it. Uh, you you kind of have this epiphany moment. So most of the times when uh, when you're doing you know a play by Sam Shepard or, or a play by Thornton Wilder uh, or you know William Shakespeare, and and you go, huh? Like I've, I've you, you catch yourself saying a line, you're like, I've, I would have never thought of that, or I don't, I normally don't think this way, and now it's just. I'm saying it and I have to make it feel right and it feels right. And you walk away. Uh, it's almost like being born again every single time, you know, you act. At least that's that's how it feels for me. I'll have to like pay more attention to theater because you describe it so beautifully. I just, <laughs> it makes me want to go off to the theater right now. Yeah, you know, actually, you know, Alfonso uh, it just reminded me, man, I, like I... I uh, forgot to mention this is kind of good advice for for uh, for prose writers out there. Uh, I do this. I do readings of of my work every quarter at Noir at the Bar. I mean, Noir is one of the the genres that I write, um, and um, you get a bunch of writers together. Uh, they buy drinks, and you listen to each other read your work, and you get immediate feedback. And I'm it is a totally different experience than submitting a manuscript and waiting three months for a publisher to reply, hopefully positively with no notes, you know, <laughs> that they want to include your work. Um, it's the opposite of that. And, um, and I, I agree hundred percent with Alfonso. You get, um, you get a much better sense when you're performing the characters, like what they really should be saying, like what they feel, 
what it feels like to be performing in that space. I mean, there's so many things that you don't get on the page that you get on stage. So yeah, highly recommend it. Wow. Well, yeah, I've gotten a lot of advice from this episode. I've had a great time. Thank you so much for everything. Uh, could you take a final moment and promote anything where we can follow you, your work? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, well, I manage uh, a composer. Her name is uh, Penka Kuneva. And um, she, um, her movie Encounter, her sci-fi movie Encounter just got the distribution. So she's the composer on that. Uh, and um, she also does albums on that are available on Amazon. Uh, and um, you know, um, I also will give you my website. Um, yeah, it's uh, vh rodriguez r o d r i g u e z dot wordpress dot com. And um, if you just go on there, you can see all my all my books, and and uh, I even have some free to read stuff on there, and. Yeah, it's pretty cool. A digital digital media interview that I did, so you can find out all about me there. Oh, and uh, you can follow me at Dime Store Caesar on Twitter. Chrissy? Okay, so I also have, uh, I think I said before, I have a book. It's called The Fairy Princess Enter into Fenton. Uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, it's a fantasy YA novel. Um, I have a website for it. Uh, and it's called thefairyprincess.net. And there's uh, also merchandise related to the book on the website. And I also have another website um, that's, uh, the website is pretty much the same as my Twitter handle, which is L-A-V-A-L-L-A-I-S-P-I-C-S, Picks. And it's lavalletpictures.com. That has all my film stuff, my film blogs, and reel and other things on there. So I have two websites. All right. Uh, I have two websites. I have my film website and theater website, which is uh, uh, look uh, going to alfonsoramirez.co. Uh, I'm also on Instagram uh, and on Twitter and Twitter. And then I have my Prop Master uh, website, which is propbrain.net. And there you will just find all the stuff that I worked on uh, as a Prop Master and Assistant Property Master. Uh, I am in a production of Titus Andronicus uh, that will, for Southern California Shakespeare Festival, if, you, if anybody's interested in getting tickets for that, you can just go to Southern California Shakespeare Festival website, which is pretty much the same name, plus .com. Um, and that will be opening up in September. And then November, I am from the same company. I'm directing A Lie of the Mind by Sam Shepard. And those tickets will be on sale soon. And their information will be on that same website. Great. Thank you so much again. I'm going to be following all of you until the end of time. I'm going to be stalking your pages. <laughs> <laughs> same. Same here. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, that was the end. Thank you so much. And make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening on. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Valencia. Bye. Bye. Great to meet you all.